Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tri of the Dongfang Hour China Aerospace and Space News Roundup. This for the week of January 18th to 24th, 2021. I'm Blaine Curcio, joined as always by my co-host Jean Deville. Before getting started, we would like to send a special shout out to our good friends at Spacewatch.global and at GoTigonauts, two excellent sources on space industry news. This week, we bring you updates on the Tianshun IoT constellation, a round of funding from another Chinese commercial launch company, some names for China's Mars mission, but first, some updates from KSIC on their satellite manufacturing facility in Wuhan. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to welcome you aboard the Dongfang Hour. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened. Thank you. Our first piece of news this week comes from Kasik in Wuhan. Earlier this week, we heard from the China Daily, among other news sources, that Kasik's satellite manufacturing facility in Wuhan had completed construction and that it would start manufacturing satellites in March. Uh, this would be an impressive feat anywhere in the world, but of course, Wuhan just one year ago was the epicenter of was the first epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so, really, just an amazing, uh, amazing feat to have completed the satellite factory. Um, you know, one year after that, uh, the factory was designed and built in 429 days. So basically, they had started building it just around the time that coronavirus was starting to take hold in Wuhan. Uh, this, according to Zhou Guangbao of uh, of Kasik Space Engineering Development Company. Um, the satellite factory will eventually manufacture 240 satellites per year. And the article specifically mentioned Kasich's Hongyun constellation of broadband satellites, which is a little bit surprising given the rather widely held belief, um, at least kind of unofficially in, in space in, uh, industry circles in China, that the Chinese government is going to be announcing a much larger broadband constellation uh, sometime in the next you know, months or, or so. So this this mention of Hongyun is, is just somewhat... Um, I guess unusual, given that we, we expect Hongyun will probably be folded into that larger broadband constellation um, whenever that is, is announced. One possibility would be that the, uh, you know, what is now or what was at one point uh, the Hongyun project um, becomes one of the sort of shells or one of the layers of China's larger broadband constellation. We had seen, for example, in an article released um, late last year, plans for a 13,000 satellite constellation from China that involved seven different shells. So it's possible that you would have some something like this. But but either way, digressing, um, really impressive that Kasich is now, um, they have a factory in Wuhan able to manufacture 240 satellites per year. Um, last point from my side on this update, the article also mentioned that the factory is in the Wuhan National Aerospace Industrial Base. This is something we've talked about in a couple of other episodes. It's a major project in Wuhan that involves the provincial and city government and also Kasich. Um, and basically, Kasich, they have this long history in Wuhan through a subsidiary called the Sanjiang Group. And they've made this, this very large uh, industrial base, invested billions and billions of yuan. And um, again, this rocket, uh, the satellite manufacturing facility is just one part of this, this aerospace industrial base. The article also mentioned that the aerospace industrial base is home to the, the Quadro rocket manufacturing uh, facility, and that that facility is currently at an initial production capacity of, of 20 Quadro rockets per year, um, which seems pretty reasonable given the number of, of Quadro launches in, in 2020. Um, so a lot of updates from, from Kasich in Wuhan, uh, really just impressive stuff, uh, 429 days 
to design and build a satellite manufacturing facility capable of manufacturing 20 satellites per month and probably in the weight range of like 100 to 200 kilograms bound for low Earth orbit, uh, similar to, say, Starlink. Uh, Jean, anything from your side on the uh, on the Kasich uh, satellite manufacturing facility in Wuhan? Mm, yeah, I think this is a very interesting figure as you're bringing up. 240, that's so 20 satellites a month. That's 240 satellites a year, and that's that's really that's a big, very big amount of satellites, especially when you consider that Hongyun, the constellation, initially was planned to be um, a, a, a constellation of 156 um, satellites. So it is a bit, um, you know. Uh, mm. Well, basically 240, that's um, that's a bit more than what you'd expect. And I could see several reasons for that. I guess one would be that Hongyun, the constellation, would be uh, bigger than what was initially planned. And that's what you hinted at with the uh, Mega 13,000 uh, satellite constellation that could be announced um, in the near future by China. Maybe it also means that this um, factory could benefit other Kasich projects, such as uh, the Xingyun um, IoT narrowband constellation. And potentially, maybe this factory could even uh, benefit other constellations um, that are not directly in the Kasich sphere of influence. It's interesting to see that in China, we have a, we have some companies that have very strong satellite manufacturing capabilities, and on the other hand, you have a large constellations that need these um, manufacturing capabilities. We're just not able at this moment just yet to link the dots and to see who is uh, manufacturing for who. And um, speaking of constellations that need satellite manufacturing, um, we also had a nice announcement um, this week about a new constellation called the Tianxun constellation. So basically on January the 21st, there was the opening ceremony of the Jin'e Industry City Integration Zone, and that took place in the sub-district or the town of Luodian, and that's in the northern uh, district of Shanghai of Baoshan. Now, what exactly these industry city integration zones are, or Chancheng Ronghe Shivanchu in Chinese. So what these are basically are, um, well, they're projects, pilot projects that were initiated by the NDRC in 2015 and 2016. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to have more integrated industrial zones with their surroundings. So taking into account, for example, um, the environment, um, housing, healthcare, um, transportation, parks, and all these little details that make the place a better well, a better place to live and more integrated with the local infrastructure. Now, that's that's not the uh, main point here. What was interesting was at the opening ceremony of um, this 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 park of the Genie Park. There's the announcement of the Tianchun IoT constellation. So this constellation apparently would be a constellation of 72 satellites. It would be launched and deployed within the next three years, and the first satellite would be tested. Um, in orbit actually before the end of 2021. So that's a very uh, tight timeline, I would say. Gini industry, um, this indus industry zone would host an ecosystem that would not just develop the IoT space segment, but it would also take care of developing the ground terminals and also applications linking the space-based IoT to some big tech words that were announced, such as um, big data, cloud computing, this this sort of um this sort of yeah this sort of application and actually it makes sense when you look at the companies that were present during this open ceremony you had um the SAST Institute 804 which is also known as the Shanghai Institute of Electronics and Communications Equipment they focus on satellite subsystems level um electronics and you also had Shanghai Beidou Platform Company which is also 
um, well, it depends on uh, SAST. And this company focuses on making um, ground terminals and applications for IoT in various um, verticals, and such as phishing. You can also have, uh, for example, smart cities, this sort of stuff. So these two companies probably would play a very big role um, in the um, Tianchun constellation. And maybe just one last thought before I, I turn it over to you, Blaine. Um, so in everything we've mentioned here, we still don't know who are making these satellites. And so this sort of a, is a link to the previous piece of news. Um, and they also announced that the first test would be in 2021. So very likely they would have to rely on already existing satellite manufacturing capabilities. And so a few ideas there. SAST is able to manufacture satellites. So it could come from a sister company of SAST, um, you know, Institute 804. Another interesting point is Baoshan district is actually very close to another city called Nantong, which we mentioned in previous episodes, which is home to the Galaxy Space um, Gigafactory capable of pumping out 300 to 500 satellites a year. And we don't know just yet who this satellite will be manufacturing satellites for. And we know that there are also a lot of other companies that could um, fill, fill up this role. For example, Comsat, which is a company that we interviewed in episode seven of Zone Far Hour. We know they're also building a massive um, satellite manufacturing factory in Tangshan. Um, and they were also initially planning a, you know, a 72 satellite IoT constellation. So very similar to Tianshun. So they probably know what they're talking about if it's, if we're talking about manufacturing IoT satellites for IoT. So, um, lots of just thoughts thrown out there, but, you know, um, we're starting maybe to connect yeah. the dots here. Oh yeah, a lot to unpack here. I mean, just the first thought, um, and I don't know if this is necessarily also considered a, um, an industry city integration zone, but linking this back to the, the Wuhan Aerospace Industrial Base, one of the things that strikes me about these um, these really big projects in China is the, um, how would you say, the, the comprehensive nature of them. So for example, in the Wuhan Aerospace Industrial Base, as I mentioned before, you have the satellite manufacturing facility, you have the Quadro rocket manufacturing facility, but then you will also see Kasich housing and the employees at, at the Xinyun Liobit company or at, at, at X-Base Quadro, uh, they will live in Kasich housing and that housing will include sports facilities and they will have the Kasich, you know, I, I think we tweeted about this a few months ago, the some Kasich team kind of basketball tournament where you have different teams from different institutes of Kasich and they're all pretty much living in this, this place. Um, so basically just this idea of these really big kind of turnkey projects that involve um, everything. I mean, just comprehensive uh, industry mm. city planning. So, so, so yeah, industry, industry city integration, I guess, as, as the, would be the, the exact phrase. Um, really interesting point you bring up about the, the proximity to Nantong and, and just sort of, um, the the industrial base being built around Baoshan in in general, um, I, I think so. Shanghai was, if I'm not mistaken, one of the provincial level cities to include satellite internet in its uh, like sort of medium term new infrastructure development plan that was published uh, late last year, and it would have covered the period of 2020 to 2022. Um, so definitely a lot of support from the Shanghai government for for satellite internet more generally. Um, I guess the one thought that I have about this when, when I hear about another constellation coming out of Shanghai is that we have seen over the last five years a lot of random constellations coming out of Shanghai with a lot of kind of random backers. So wasn't it, um, was it Linkshore, the one that was planning to do free internet service for everyone, everywhere kind of mm. thing that was based out of Shanghai and it had some angle, I think, with the Shanghai government. I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, 
There were the there were there's a few others that that come to mind. Um, I just the, the the names are eluding me at the moment. But but digressing, um, it seems like a lot of support from a, a district that is probably home to two to three million people and has a fair amount of money. Um, but you do have to kind of ask yourself. Um, to what extent is there coordination here among these different projects? Because if you have several different satellite IoT projects that are getting the the kind of um, the podium spot at these different local government uh, events, this sort of thing, you, you have to sort of wonder: Well, are are these IoT constellations all going to be serving the same city government? Or, or so so yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of support, a lot of stuff going on. Um, probably not particularly well coordinated, but but that's neither here nor there. Um, that being said, one area of the commercial uh, space of commercial space in China that is particularly uh, you know fast moving, lots of money being thrown at it, but arguably not so well coordinated, is the launch sector. We have about twenty companies that are uh, you know commercial launch companies, and uh, we've interviewed one of them, Landspace, on this show in episode six. And and one of the themes is that likely not all of the commercial launch companies will will survive. Um, but this week we did hear that uh, Jojo Yunjian, which is a sort of second generation, um, kind of smaller commercial launch company, uh, they announced a round of funding earlier this week, which is likely the first round of, of funding by a Chinese commercial space company in 2021. Certainly it's the first round that I've heard of. Um, the company did not specify the amount of money in the round, but they did mention uh, several investors, which um, the noteworthy thing here, I think, would be that there are two different investors from uh, Zhongguancun, which is a sort of... Um, it's not a district of Beijing, but it's sort of an area of Beijing um, that is known to be home to a lot of high-tech companies. And, and their the sort of area government has been quite active in investing in, in not only space companies, but companies across a wide uh, spectrum of, of kind of frontier technologies. And so this this funding round from, from Jiu Yunjian, um, it included two different Zhongguansun-related entities. So there was the Beijing Zhongguansun, uh, the, develop, uh, the, the uh, sort of development uh, a new technology uh, fund. And then there was also the Zhongguansun, um, the sort of seed fund uh, company. So so a couple of different Zhongguansun related entities helping out Jiu Yunjian. And this probably would, uh, it will help Jiu Yunjian remain in the top 10 most well-funded Chinese launch companies for a little while. Uh, John, any, any thoughts on, on JZYJ as it is sometimes rather cumbersomely referred to in the, I mean, they need an English name, I think is what it comes down to. I don't want to be, you know, kind of um, elitist or otherwise sort of cult, you know, putting our culture on, onto another. But, but man, Jay uh, Z Y J, what do you think? So yeah, I was really happy to relieved actually to have see some news from Jay Z Y. Sorry, I'll just say Jozo and Jen. It's actually simpler. Indeed, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because um, it's a great Scrabble word. Absolutely, we've 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 seen that quite a few um, launch companies are quite good at communicating in iSpace and Deep Blue Aerospace, for example. Post a lot of pictures and videos of what they're doing, and actually, Jojo Yunjen was one of them, and they've been doing that all the way until middle of 2019. And for some some reason, they went very quiet. I don't know why. And the last um, substantial, tangible piece of news that we got from them was from August 2019, where we learned that they had signed an agreement with Linkspace to provide their Lingyun engine, a Methlox Lingyun engine, um, to Linkspace for their RLVT6 um, reusable rocket uh, prototype. And after that, just nothing. So I think um, it's, I mean, this piece of new here, news here probably means um, that Jojo and Jin is now back on track, especially with the amounts of money that could, they could have received as you, as you said earlier. And 
since their engines, the Lingyun and the Longyun have been in development for three, four years, probably this amount of money will enable them to complete the development of these two engines. And so definitely um, bringing Jojo and Jin back into the game. And and just one last point, again, we, we did not hear how much money was raised, but my, my kind of first glance guess, and, and I spoke with a couple of people in China who had agreed that it's a reasonable number, was about 100 million RMB, so about uh, a little mm, less than yeah. 15 million US dollars. Um, and I mean, that, that would make them, again, uh, lower half, certainly, of the top 10 most well-funded Chinese commercial launch companies. Um, but it would also it would be a relatively small funding round compared to a lot of rounds that took place last year. We saw what uh, the two rounds of like almost 1.2 billion RMB from Landspace and iSpace. Um, so this is you know being less than one tenth of that number. Um, but uh, just a testament, I guess, also to the, the depth of the Chinese space industry, where you can have ten commercial launch companies, and you can have a company like uh, like Jizij or Jzwat. <laughs> <laughs> that you can have a company like this um, focusing only on you know engine technology, primarily engine technology. So not even you know, not not really planning to be a full turnkey rocket manufacturer, but but basically saying we want to develop a specific technology for for engines. Um, and I mean I, I don't know how many employees they have now, but I would have to imagine it would be getting close to a hundred. You know, wouldn't wouldn't be it would not be twenty. I'd be if you told me that that JZYJ had twenty employees, I'd be shocked. I would think it. Even fifty would seem small, I guess, and and so again, this being the uh, the probably eighth largest uh, commercial launch company in China, that that's pretty impressive. But um, an English language name would make them a little bit more Western friendly, I think. You can get, get, get in touch with them on that because yeah, huge. Yeah, triple word score. All right, shall we head on to Chinese Mars rover naming competition? Because that there's some interesting. Speaking of hard to pronounce and, and you know sort of random things, yeah. Absolutely. So that's the last p cool piece of news this week. So China kicked off a naming competition, uh, which was to pick the name for the rover that's on board the Tianwen-1 mission. So Tianwen-1 was the Mars spacecraft that was launched um, last summer. Um, so Tianwen-1 is the name of the mission, uh, but we don't have the name for the rover. And um, what China has done in the past, notably for the Chang'e missions, but they're doing it apparently also for the, uh, the Tianwen, the Mars missions, um, is that in a netizens basically get to vote for the name. So what happened was the last summer during basically the Mars launch window, the net, well, Chinese netizens had the opportunity to pick just any name and just to submit the name. Um, and after that, um, a jury basically chose on uh, the 10 most, I, yeah, the most Mars compatible names. Uh, and that's, that's what you got this week. So we have a list of 10 names that are up for choosing for net netizens. Each person is able to pick three of the top names. They have up to the 28th of February to do so. And based on that, the jury probably in Mars, but we don't have any closing date. A jury would then, based on the number of votes, pick, um, the most suitable name, um, for the, um, for the rover. So we have a list of 10 names and I'll just go through them really quickly. They're, so the first one is Hongyi. Hongyi meaning to have a broad and strong mind. It can also be roughly translated into perseverance. We have Qilin, which is a mythical half dragon, half deer animal in Chinese mythology. We have Nezha, a character which is also from Chinese mythology, very popular. And there was a actually a cool anime that was released in 2019 that was also called um, Nezha in China. There's Chitu, a legendary horse of warlord Lu Bu. We have Zhu Rong, god of fire in Chinese mythology. We have Qiu Suo, which is more simply just just means explorer. We have Feng Huolun, which is um, 
it means wind and fire wheels. It's a legendary um, martial arts uh, weapon that you have in China. Uh, we have Dreamong, Chaser of Dreams or Dream Tracer, Tianxing, Sky Skywalker, and the last one is just simply Xinghua. So that means Star of Fire, and that's actually the name in Chinese for Mars. So ten names, and there was there was some sarcastic discussion on Twitter after that um, because it is true that Hongyi can roughly be translated into Perseverance and of course, uh, no one did not notice that that was also the name of the U.S. Uh, NASA Mars mission, Perseverance. Um, although I, I'd like to point out that that is maybe slightly unfair because, um, I mean, Perseverance is just a rough translation of Hongyi. Hongyi is actually a, a, it's a big name. It has a lot of Chinese cultural background behind it. And actually, if you, if, for example, an experiment could be to take um, Google Translate or Baidu Fanyi, and if you typed perseverance in there very likely you wouldn't fight you wouldn't fight hong yi but you'd probably find you know something like um uh, yi li or jian shi or zhi zhu mm -hmm. or hang xin but just more straightforward translations of perseverance so hong yi is actually more than perseverance um so anyway i think just uh east west misunderstanding as it often occurs uh, i think that's also our added value here at at dongfang hour um to point that out so um so yeah, I need my personal favorite here. We got we got Zui Zui Meng is my personal favorite, and also Qilin. Uh, my my least favorite, I think, is uh, is Xinhua. I, I don't think that's very <laughs> original to just say, oh yeah, we're gonna call it Mars. Mm. That's that's uh, they could do you know that's especially I mean like let's be honest, and I not not to, I mean it's a fair name, but but uh, when you compare it to the, the depth of some of these that names that you were just describing, you know the 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 amount of, of context and history. Um, to just call it Xinhua uh, Hao might, might seem just a, li a little bit anticlimactic, but you know it's their um, it is their mission, and the voters will uh, will have their will have their say. I, I, um, I would also be interested to hear about you know our, our, if our listeners prefer any of these names because again I'm a big fan of Qi and, and the Zui Meng, but um, to each their own. And there's a lot of uh, I think cultures. you can have some I fun with these with these names. And an example is mm -hmm. so just. Sorry to point just to point out between your two favorites, I would probably pick Chilin because Dreamong, uh, Dream Chaser, that's also the name of you know the mm. the space plane by the Sierra Nevada Corporation, and then there also be uh, you know accusations of copying names or what's what whatever. So um, probably Chilin is a safer bet. Um, I think you can have a lot of fun with uh, picking names for the rovers. For example, for the Chang'e Four mission, I don't know if you 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 um you, you can't caught that piece of news. There was also this competition to pick the name of what is now known as U22, the rover. Um, back then, um, there was a proposition uh, to call the rover Qian uh, Xueshen, so Qian Xueshen, you know, the founder of of Chinese space. And where he was landing was the Fon Karman crater on the moon. Mm -hmm. And Qian yep. uh, Xueshen had had actually studied with. Uh, von Karman himself in the U.S., so it would be you know Chen Trishan going to meet his teacher uh, back on the moon. So there's a lot of ah yes, a lot of fun stuff. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point about uh, about Tian versus Trayvon. I, I don't think there's any Western companies that are developing any any space related things that are you know in English called the mythical half dragon <laughs> half deer of ancient Chinese mythology. That's that's a probably safe bet. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Um, Fun stuff, and, and a few, few other uh, small pieces of news this week, but we will likely save those for a later date because we've, we've been, a, been a busy, a lot of stuff going on this week. So um, if you've made it this far, we, we thank you for uh, for sticking with us. And if you have any preference on the naming for the, the Mars uh, Mars rover, be sure to let us know in the comments or uh, on Twitter. Um, anything else, John, from your side? 
I'm all good. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. I'm Blaine Curcio, and uh, joined as always by my co-host, John DeVille. This has been another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Aerospace and Space News Roundup, and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Bye.